Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church. And we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open his word together and examine his incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. Good morning. You'll open your Bibles to the first page. I want to start in Genesis chapter 1 this morning. Uh, While you open your Bibles there, let me say thank you for being here. It's always a joyful time to be able to gather together with people who love God the way I love God. And it's always joyful to be able to see that in your faces as you worship. Uh, There are often times when I wish we could just continue singing and praying and have uh, less sermon because I, I love to I love to hear your voices and I love to hear your heart singing and uh, maybe maybe we can do that again soon. Let's start here, in Genesis chapter one. I, I'm going to hit or miss a few passages of scripture here as we jump into today's lesson. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, separating waters from waters. Then God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and they will serve as signs for season and for days and years. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kind, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kind, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. In a few months, my wife and I are hoping that we'll get a chance to take our kids out to see Sedona and Zion National Park and the Grand Canyons, all those things that I've always wanted to see but never had a chance to see. And the reason we want to go is not just because it's a good chance to spend time with the family. I mean, what family doesn't want to spend, I think, a total of 60-something hours in the car together? But because we love looking at nature. We love going out into the woods and finding that beautiful tree that we didn't know was there and just marveling at the beauty. Don't you? I want you to take a minute, and and you're welcome to close your eyes if that helps you to do this, as long as you agree to open them back up after the minute is over. But I want you to take a minute and think about what is the loveliest scene you've ever seen. And I know all of you husbands are going, well, I'm sitting right next to her. Not your wives. Nature, 
landscape, scenery, just fill your mind with, wherever you've been, what is the loveliest thing, the loveliest scenery you've ever beheld? Think about it for a minute. I put a couple of things up on the screen that I, I thought were particularly beautiful. Also from out west, you can climb down into the canyons and you'll get those pictures of the sunlight and the rays of light shining through the canyon on the floor. And it's almost like you can hold the light. It's so present in those sun rays that you kind of want to reach out and, and like grasp it in your hand. Just the majesty and the power and the, the, the stature of some of the mountains out there. Just how amazing it is to see the rock on top of rock. And whether you're standing on the top and looking from, a, from you know, just the overlook or whether you're standing at the bottom and you're just seeing how massive this thing is in front of you. It, it's amazing sometimes to just witness the size of something. That's one of the things I'm most excited about. If we are able to get out to the Grand Canyon, that, that's what everybody has always told me, is that while you see the pictures and they're beautiful, what, what the pictures can't really impress on you is that when you're standing there as close to the edge as, as you're willing to go, the immensity of this hole in the ground. I, I'm, I'm excited about that. A couple of years ago, we got to go up to see the, uh, the Niagara Falls and just the beauty and the power and the sound of all that water falling over the edge and landing in the water below. And we were able to get down in one of those uh, paddle boats down in the bottom and feel the, the breeze from the force of the water just blowing against you. And when you're down there, all you can see really are rainbows. Like it's, it's, you see the light reflect, refracting through all the droplets in the air, and it's just, it's like you're inside of a rainbow. And, and it's amazing to see just how, how beautiful, but, but not just beautiful, the experience of seeing that kind of power. I remember thinking on that, on that boat, uh, they, you know, we watch, of course, the documentaries because we're all nerdy like that. And, and uh, we, they talk about how the, the waterfall itself is moving backwards because it erodes the, the rock beneath the water so much per year that it's constantly moving backwards. And, and to think that water has the power to destroy rocks. And then you think of the Genesis stories, Noah's flood and the amount of water and power that was displayed through that event. Maybe it's the peace that gets you. Maybe it's seeing the water surface where it's just not even moving and it's like looking at this mile-long mirror laying on the ground. And you can see the reflection of everything above it. You might see the clouds from the sky on the water and you see the, the trees inverted on the water because of just that, that glassy mirror that is out there in front of you. And what's amazing when you see a scene like that is not, again, just the beauty, 
but it's the experience of stillness. Because oftentimes, when, whenever I've had the experience of water that smooth, there are sounds that go with it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you can hear sounds from far away, just from a long way off, and, and you hear all the sounds of nature, and there's no wind to, to disperse the sound. It, it's just sound everywhere. But it's peaceful sound. Nothing's disturbed during those moments. I particularly love flowering trees. Uh, my favorite things to take photographs of, I'm not a great photographer, but I can always get a good picture of a flower for some reason. Uh, there's a tree uh, in Charleston that Tiffany and I call our tree. Uh, it's a peppermint tree, just ornamental, but it's beautiful and it has white and red and pink and mixtures of those colors on their flowers and it just it, it blossoms a lot like this tree here i believe that's a cherry tree but it, it blossoms a lot like that's just just beautiful beautiful to stand underneath one of those trees and look up isn't it yeah it, isn't everybody tempted to do that you see a beautiful flowering tree and your temptation is to go get under it and look up because you want to see as many flowers at one time as you can and you just you fall in love with that kind of some people are beach people i am not my children love the beach but they're the beauty a beauty to seeing the the waves come in and again the sound and the smells that go with that uh, that that you know we we tend to equate beach going to relaxing. When you got five kids, it's not relaxing. That might be why you don't love the beach so much. But I mean, you you go out there and you sit in the sand and you just you sit, uh, and, and there's nothing to do, nothing to worry about. You can kind of leave all those cares and worries behind, and you just you just enjoy the beach. Some of us just like flowers. My, my wife loves tulips. So I have tried to plant to our yard as we can possibly afford. I'm excited to see what happens in a few more weeks. But, but there's, there's just a beauty to this world, is there not? Which is why when I read what God says here in Genesis chapter 1, and we saw in verse 31, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed have a book on my shelf that says better than good that, that that's our world that that's our creation so my question to you is because we all recognize it that there is this beauty this majesty that exists in the world around us uh, whether you're looking at the mountaintops or whether you're in the valleys whether you're in uh, in pasture land or you're at the beach it doesn't no matter where you are, there is beauty in this world. What's the point of it? Why does all that beauty exist? And you look that question up, and you're going to come across a lot of different viewpoints. For instance, scientists argue that beauty in nature has to have a purpose. There has to be a purpose to it, or else it wouldn't exist across the board like it does. 
Right? It'd be one thing if beauty just popped up as rare, random moments within our world, but it's not that way. Our world is overflowing with abundant beauty. Wouldn't you agree with that? Everywhere you look, when you see something that is natural, it's beautiful. When you see something that is man-made, it might not be. But when God made it, or as scientists would argue, nature made it, it's beautiful. And so scientists have argued that maybe the reason for that, and it depends on which scientist you look at, but Darwin himself argued that it had to have a purpose and that maybe it was the result of a cumulative sexual selection. And what he means by that is that, that animals are going to uh, go toward the more adapted, the more advanced animals. Therefore, they are going to select the qualities that most reflect what those animals appreciate, and therefore it's going to create more beautiful things the longer time goes. And so there's just that sense of it was just the natural process that everything turned toward. The problem with that is so often that everything doesn't turn toward beauty, that oftentimes nature turns toward chaos. Nature turns toward things falling apart. Feminists will argue that beauty is actually a false ideal created to suit the purpose of man, and it's part of man's manipulation that they think that everything should be beautiful, and therefore uh, that, that women have to follow some standard of beauty and have to match some standard of beauty, and, and it's all just the part of a patriarchal society that needs to disappear. Eh, I have a hard time with that one. And part of the reason I have a hard time with that one is because beauty is not just something that exists in nature, but it's something that exists in ways that we seek it as human beings. I mean, you, you, you walk through downtown Birmingham and, and you're going to see signs of beauty created by man. It might be in the architecture of the building. It might be in the layout of the city. Uh, I remember back at Christmas time, my family and I went up to Anianta, and we were looking at their Christmas tree display, and we thought, well, we have time to kill, so we decided to walk through downtown Anianta. Small town. Like, there, there's not a lot to it. Except we get about halfway through downtown and there's this sign that says the art alley or something like that. I don't know how many of you have seen this. But you turn down this alley between these large buildings and they have put murals on both sides of the alley and it's beautiful. It's amazing what they put there in an out-of-the-way place like Oniana. Because we as humans seek beauty. We, we seek it in our art. We seek it in our music. We, we, there's a reason we as people now sing four-part harmony as Christian as opposed to just chanting. You know why that changed? Was it because God commanded four-part harmony? It's because we desired it. And so we have crafted beauty into our worship 
so that we can have a more beautiful and pleasing experience. And yes, I know at this point we do that for God, but that's why it's there. It serves a functional purpose. It allows us all to sing no matter what our range is, but it also serves an aesthetic purpose. We think it's beautiful. Uh, We seek beauty in our literature. We seek to make broken things better. It's just part of what we do as human. So if it's not merely some sort of uh, adapted, or adapted, adapted change that's happened over time in nature, and it's not some sort of manipulation by man to control uh, feminine, the, the feminine part of our species, what's the purpose? See, the truth is that it, it can't just be an imagined truth. Because we appreciate beauty, albeit by different standards, in every culture. There is not a culture you can go to in this world that doesn't seek to make things beautiful. And whether we're talking about an industrialized nation like our own, or we, we decorate ourselves in fancy clothing, and in makeup, and in hairstyles, and tattoos, and everything else that we've got in our country, you go even to the, to the third world country in our world, and while the standards might be different with the types of earrings, or lip rings, or, or tattoos, or dress, we all do it because we're all looking to be beautiful because we appreciate beauty. And so it's not some sort of imagined thing, and it can't merely be a construct of man, because the things that we can't control are beautiful, right? I mean, do you remember the pictures we saw at the beginning? I didn't make the mountaintops. You didn't make the mountaintops. Yet mountaintops are beautiful. It's everywhere you look. And it can't merely be evolutional because there are so many things that aren't evolutional that have beauty. For instance, there's a museum up in Memphis and my favorite place to go in all of the museum is the Rock Room. And here's why. These are pictures of rocks. Things that were Buried beneath the ground. Not things that are necessarily manipulated by man either. When you look at that first rock there on the top right, excuse me, top, top left, that's just broken open. That wasn't polished. That wasn't thrown into a rock tumbler. That wasn't made to look different than it looked other than maybe it was washed off. But isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful to see the different rocks, how the inside of the rocks, even though they're transparent, still have beauty on the inside? Not just the colors and the the pictures you find inside the rock, but the shape of the rock and how it all forms and, and the way that you get these perfect edges and everything just works perfectly. That's chemical, the way that works. That's based off of the type of mineral and the way that the atoms fit together. That has nothing to do with the manipulation of man, most of that. And it's all found buried in the ground. But it's beautiful. 
And somehow it got there. Somehow it serves a purpose and it can't be a purpose that any of our scientists have come up with. Those rocks don't need to be beautiful for reproductive purposes. Not how that works. But they're beautiful anyway. What about space? Space need to be beautiful for reproductive purposes? Are there any scientific evolutionary explanation as to why space needs to be beautiful? Yet it is. It's amazing to see some of the scenes in space. The aurora borealis, I still want to see that one day. That's on my bucket list. It, it, it's just, you walk outside and beauty, a, a, a beautiful show is happening above you. And there's no evolutionary purpose behind that. It's just there. But it's enjoyable to us. I particularly love this picture. I'm not sure how well y'all, y'all can't really see the colors of this. That's a picture that we just got this past. beautiful my darling there is no imperfection in you absolutely beautiful why why does beauty exist between a man and a woman where we can appreciate one another's beauty it it exists because God knew we would appreciate it on each other it exists to promote relationship in this case 
And that's one of the probably simplest and easiest to understand reasons for beauty. What about Romans chapter 1, verse 20? Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Here, again, talking about creation, it says, For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. You hear that? This world was created the way it was created so that we could have an appreciation for the character of God. You want to know why our world is as beautiful as it is? It's because God said a beautiful world reflects my perfect character. You want to get to know God? Look around. Look at the beauty. Look and appreciate the things that were created because the things that were created show us what a good God he is. They show us what a generous God he is. Could God have made a ball of dirt for us to live on that had no beauty to it whatsoever? Absolutely. Why is it that we would have rocks that are beautiful to look at buried deep within the earth for us to discover? Why is it that we have planets we're just now seeing in all of their beauty and majesty that we're just now able to see just how beautiful they are? Why is it that we have an ocean floor that is still undiscovered? Because God wanted us to marvel at the beauty of his creation. Because it would cause us to marvel at him. We're told in Colossians chapter 1 that the creation itself brings our eyes back to Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and earth. The visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Why is it that we have a beautiful world around us to behold? because it causes us to appreciate a Jesus for whom it was all created. We're told it causes us to worship. Psalm 29. Psalm 29. Here we're told, verse 2, listen Excuse me, let me get to the right psalm. Verse 1 and 2. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord and the splendor of his holiness. You go on and it talked about the great power that he displays through his voice. That same voice that created. And then it says at the end of verse 9, in his temple 
all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned king forever. The Lord gives his people strength, and the Lord blesses his people with peace. All of Psalm 104 talk about the idea of God being praised and worshipped because of his great creation. That we should look at the creation and we should see his power, his glory, his beauty. That's why the world's beautiful. It causes us to trust that he is a provider. What's Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Look at the birds of the air. We see how they're taken care of. Look at the lilies of the field. We see how they're taken care of. We look at the creation around us and we see the beauty of the flowers of the field that not even Solomon with all of his wealth and all of his money and all of his raiment and all of his possibilities that he had because of his, his money, that in all of Solomon's glory, he didn't even compare to the lily of the field. But God will care for you like he cares for those flowers. Isn't that amazing? You walk outside and you see those tulips that are going to pop up soon and the daffodils. And you're driving by and you go, wow, that's pretty. And then you have the following, the, the follow-up thought of God is good. That the follow-up thought to that that we often leave off is this. And God is good to me. That's what the beauty reminds us of. It helps us to focus on his kingdom. You go on in that same passage in the Sermon on the Mountain, it says that, that famous verse that we're all aware of, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If God can take care of our world the way he takes care of it, then God can take care of me and you so that we're not distracted away from focusing on the kingdom. Over in Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, over here we're told, starting in verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with his power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you'll be filled with the fullness of God. When you realize that God is caring for you, that God is taking care of you, that God will provide for you just like he has provided this beautiful earth for us to enjoy. When you realize all that, then you can focus on what really matters the kingdom of God and talking about the kingdom of God and realizing just how much God loves you and me. The width and depth and length and height of the love of God, that it is unending and that there is no limit to it. And that that unlimited love of God will bring us to 
to a place called heaven. The next couple of verses that John David read for us here in verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and to Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, that passage isn't dealing with heaven. That passage is dealing with the capability of God. And in the context directly, it's what God is capable of doing in his church. But the principle applies. What is God's limit? You look around at the world and you see the beauty of the height of the mountains to the depth of the sea and you see just how amazing it is the variety that God has created in this world, the variety of color, the variety of shapes and sizes and functions and whatever it is that you appreciate about the world around us. When you see all that God is capable of, is there anything left he can't accomplish? The more you recognize how beautiful the world is, the more you recognize how limitless your God is. And that limitless God has told us he's preparing a place for us that's even better than here. John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, there you may go also. And you know the way where I am going. If God could create a place like what we have here, that we know, according to promise, is, is someday going to be burned up. Someday this, this world, it, it's, it's going to be gone. Someday all of the mountains will be destroyed and all of the oceans will be dried up and everything that we call home here will disappear. Someday. God created it as a temporary place. If God could create something this beautiful as a temporary place, Imagine how amazing it will be to see what God has created as the permanent, eternal place. My office at home is a disastrous mess. And I'd like to say it, it's normally clean and it's just going through flux right now, but honestly, ever since I've moved my, my office into that basement room where I've moved it, it it's felt kind of temporary and we're about to change some things around again in there. And, and I'll be honest, because it is temporary, I have no desire to clean it up whatsoever. None. Like, why clean it up and go through all that work when I know I'm going to mess it back up pretty soon just having to rearrange and move some stuff around? Y'all know what I'm saying? Y'all ever do that? You know it's there for just a short amount of time, so you don't worry about it. You just let it be a mess. This world and all of its beauty 
is the temporary mess. That's what we live in right now. This is the temporary mess that leads to the permanent place of perfection. If God could imagine and speak into existence what we marvel at here today, just imagine what he is doing and preparing for us for eternity. It's not a place you want to miss. Because if this world is good, then that world is better than good. And if this world is very good indeed, as God proclaimed it there in Genesis 1, imagine how wonderful that next place will be. I, I, I don't know that we have words in the English language for it. It's more than very good indeed. It's beyond anything we can imagine or, or think. And I can't wait. I hope you have lived in a way that you know you were prepared to go there yourself. Not in a way that has earned you the right to be there. None of us have the right to be there. But lived in a way that is appreciative of the goodness and blessings of God, that is appreciative and thankful and living in a way that shows your, your undying love for a God who had a dying love for you. A God who was, who was willing to give everything for you. And all he asks in return is that you give everything to him. You do that by repenting of a life without him, of confessing him as Lord and being baptized into Christ. If you need the invitation to become a child of God, we hope that you'll come forward and let us know how we can help you as we stand and sing this song. Hosanna, you're my king. Thanks for listening and studying God's word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's word with us, please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.